my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Everybody, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. How's everyone doing today? I'm doing good. Well, today I am bringing you the next segment in the Jesse and Becky Love Story series. Today I will be focusing on Season 4, Episode 26, which is the finale, the season finale of Season 4, entitled Rock the Cradle, which aired on May 3rd, 1991. In this episode, Becky discovers she is pregnant but has trouble breaking the news to Jesse. This episode has a 7.7 rating out of 10 based on 183 ratings on IMDb. It was directed by Joel Zwick, writers Jeff Franklin, the creator, and written by Boyd Hale. Ooh, we got some user reviews. We got a little bit of trivia here. One thing of trivia. It says there's no scene before the main credits, the first episode, where it is not featured. All right, we got some connections. Sesame Street, Michelle has an obsession with Big Bird throughout the episode. Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it an obsession. She's having a baby. Becky tries to make Jesse guess the film's title during a game of picture charades. Driving Miss Daisy, Jesse guesses Driving Miss Cheesy at picture charades. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Michelle guesses the film during a game of picture charades. Dances with Wolves. Jesse guesses dances with cheese at picture charades. Home Alone. Jesse guesses home provolone at picture charades. Those were all made-to-movie references. I kind of figured. All right, let's check out some user reviews. The first one, of course, by the ever-faithful Power Man Dan. Gives it a 9 out of 10. Titles it Expectance. Oh, that's nice. This... Review was published February 11, 2019, so about a year ago. A few episodes before this, Jesse and Becky get married. Now she is pregnant. Well, they had to leave us hanging before the start of the new season. Jesse and the Rippers put out a great song that could score him a record deal. At the same time, Becky and the family find out the news. Jesse does get the deal, and his excitement has his wife nervous. The opening scene has Jesse and his band singing their song called Flesh Tone Love Affair. I don't know why, but I really don't like that title. Cool yet cheesy post-80s pop slash rock tune. There are also loads of laughs and heart-plagued heart plagued here. Wonderful episode. All right. Here is the next one by the ever-faithful Taylor Kingston. Gives it 8 out of 10. The one where Becky is pregnant. Warning, spoilers. This review was published on June 23rd, 2015. I love this episode. It is one of my all-time favorite episodes from this season, and even the entire series. It's so funny, and I love the fact that Becky is pregnant. Well, we kind of figured after they get married, even though in the episode um, 
from season two, Luck Be a Lady Parts 1 and 2, she did say she did want to wait to have kids. Well, you're married now. If you're not using precautions to plan for your future children, then odds are if you're not careful, it's going to happen, you know, come sooner than later. So, yeah. But anyway... In this episode, Jesse and his band get a great uh, get a great and exciting opportunity to tour with a famous group, and get a record deal. But when Becky discovers that she's pregnant and doesn't want hey Gwen, I hear your jingle jangle collar. Where you at? You silly girl. <laughs> All right. But then Becky discovers that she's pregnant and doesn't want to ruin Jesse's big chance. Hey, Quinn, how you doing? That bag is not for you. She tells the rest of the family and struggles to find a way to tell Jesse. Meanwhile, Michelle gets a new imaginary friend named Glenn. Best part of the episode, when Becky tells Jesse she's pregnant through Pictionary. Worst part of the episode, the fact that Jesse's just so dumb in this episode. Overall, I give this episode an 8 out of 10, which in my ratings book is awesome. Yes, I love this episode. And I think the season, season four, you know, ending with her revealing she's pregnant just sets up. It's just a great setup for how the rest of the show is going to carry on. Jesse and Becky, you know, they got married. They moved into the Tanner house, so the house is full by one more person. Now Becky's going to be pregnant, so the house is going to be filled by what we think is one more person. Hence, in Season 5, Episode 1, Double Trouble, we learn that the house will be filled by two more instead of one. So, yeah. Of course, before I get into the episode, I want to let you all know. First of all, I want to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart, seriously, for Sticking out with the podcast. I'm not not scaring you. I'm not saying the podcast is going away because it's not. But there are going to be changes. Um, starting out with after the month of February, I am taking a break. I will be doing two Rusty episodes from season four. Quinn, there's nothing but snow out there. You silly cat. You can't go out there. It's too cold. Um... I will be doing those episodes for the April Fool's Day. Well, not... Um, anyway. And then, of course, I will be doing one episode for Mother's Day, which will be Goodbye, Mr. Bear. And then, of course, for Father's Day in June will be uh, from Season 1, Daddy's Home. I was going to do more. Unfortunately, it's just... The timing is just not going to work out with everything going on on the, on the home front for right around that time. Um, I also want to dial back quite a lot with the podcasting. I told myself that this is fun, it's a hobby, and that's all this should be, but when it starts taking over my life, and I'm not saying that I'm not enjoying this, because I do. I love podcasting. I've loved it for, been doing it for three years, but when it starts getting to take over a good chunk of my life, which is on me. That is my fault. I like to overextend myself. I like to spread myself thin and do a bunch of things at once. And then I get overloaded and I got to pull back. So basically what's going to happen is once I get settled, um, I'm probably just going to do two episodes a month. And then we'll 
maybe I'll do more in 2021, but for the time being, I just, I got other, other podcasts. I also just, I gotta, I gotta take a podcasting break is what I'm trying to say and just kind of focus on maybe doing a little pre-recording. But I, I just, I want to tell you how much I appreciate your patience. You know, if you guys will wait for me, if you're enjoying the podcast, <laughs> you'll do that. That's, that's great. Um, more content is going to be coming. It just, it's something that takes time and I need to kind of focus on, on me for a little bit and what's going on it, um, in the homestead for, you know, the next few months. So, all right. On, uh, on that note, I also want to let you know where you can follow along with the podcast on social media. You can go to Facebook at type in full house podcast, fuller house podcast, the Oh My Land to Holy Chalupas podcast will pop up. You can go to Instagram at OMHC Full House Fuller House Pod. Um, you can also send an email. I'd love to hear from you guys, your full house memories. You can write in at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. I do put the email in the episode description. Also, if you do have time, if you're able to, if you could go on to either iTunes or your Apple podcast podcast app and leave a, a rating and review. Like I've said, if you guys want to use emojis, you can do that. Just definitely that helps get the podcast out there. More Full House fans like yourselves will take notice and everything. Really be doing me a solid, so... All right, I think uh, I think that's it for right now. Let's jump into this next segment. I mean, guys, this is the segment's coming to an end, right? I mean, next week we got Happy Birthday Babies Part Two, and then the final episode in the Jesse and Becky A Love Story series is gonna be Fuller House Season One, Episode Thirteen, entitled "Love Is in the Air," where Jesse and Becky renew their wedding vows. So yeah. All right, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. We're down in the basement here, which I think at this point is now going to be the studio. Granted, it still has a drawing board set up for J&J Creative Services, which was Jesse and Joey's advertising company. So more than likely, maybe it's just still in transition. We got a lot of guys. Some may be the Rippers. Like, I know Gary is. He is the one with the... Uh, curly strawberry strawberry blonde hair um and we got a lot of mullets still it's still what decade is, are we still in it's 91 the mullets are still they're still uh they're still out there we haven't made that transition yet i mean it's still early 90s so a lot of the styles from the late 80s are carrying over into the new decade. i say, what, 90 styles don't exactly probably start hitting until, what, 92, 93, maybe? Let's see, we got a guy on a guitar, we got a guy on a saxophone. I'm not sure what that instrument's supposed to be. Looks like a sax, like, mini tuba something or other. Um... A trumpet. Just in this picture alone, as I have the scene paused, there are four guys there. Got a guy next to Jesse on a yellow guitar. Jesse's on a blue guitar. We got someone on the drums. We got backups. Uh, 
don't know if you want to call her a backup singer, but she's, uh, I'm guessing this could even be a duo. I swear this lady's been in another episode. We don't know her name, but a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people. Maybe too many people, especially, I mean, when your instruments start to drown out your vocals, I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah, again with the leopard print. Wow, Lisa, she must know Kimmy. <laughs> Kimmy likes the leopard print as well. Not only in the Little Shop of Horrors episode when she came in with that leopard print jacket, but also, like, later she got... I thought there was another episode that uh, teenage Kimmy, like, she was, like, 16, and she was... It was the Christmas episode, I remember. The, um... A very tanner Christmas. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie. I mean, Jessie's got a nice voice. It's just very, very soft. And if he weren't speaking into that microphone, I don't think you'd be able to hear him. And that's not a dig at John Stamos, at Jessie's voice, John Stamos's voice. It's just all of that background noise, which is what I will call those instruments. And the song, really, it's not... It's not good. I mean, it's not my my thing. I've heard better. I've heard better from him, in fact. But I, for one, I do like ballad songs. I really, really tend to gravitate towards those. But then I, I also have a lot of different musical tastes, so. Of course, we got a music exec. He's got the slicked back ponytail. And he's like, uh, he, he's, he's smiling, I mean, but then again, he's like, I mean, I like you, but, I mean, I'll show these to my people. I mean, my word is, like, I like you, but if they don't like you, my word really means nothing other than to give you false hope. Of course, we gotta have Becky there, you know, she's being supportive of her husband. We got, you know, the kids, DJ and Stephanie who, of course, need to promote Jesse. Like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get a Jesse in the Ripper's lunchbox and CDs, stocking stuffers for all my friends. Oh, Stephanie says, I hope Jesse and the Rippers have an album out by Christmas. She's like, what a great stocking stuffer for my thousands of friends. Of course, DJ's like, hey, Steph, why don't we go out and get jobs so we have money to spend on concert t uh, concert tickets, t-shirts, posters. Stephanie's the one who's like, hey, I want my Jess my own Jesse and the Rippers lunchbox. Like, I think you're being a bit extravagant there. That's, uh, granted, they're just plants. They're just there to, like, like, hey, we're your hype people, Uncle Jesse. Jesse's like, oh, kids, go run along. You know, I don't know where they learn to kiss off like that, but, you know, I really, really like your shoes. <laughs> so the guy says, you know, I thought you were great, but my, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, great, wow. And he's like, yeah, but my opinion pretty much means nothing. And um, now this is something, if you're watching it, if you've seen it before, you take notice of this. Because Danny will bring this up later. Becky is non-showing down on the beef jerky. So she definitely is getting her meat and salt intake. Oh my, I thought this guy looked familiar. This is K-E-Y-T-H-E, -E Farley. I thought he was in another episode of Full House. Not only does he play a record exec in this episode... The episode Bachelor of the Month, remember I covered that for um, Gail Edwards' birthday? Well, he plays 
the waiter in the restaurant that Danny and Vicky go to, and then, of course, Michelle and Teddy sneak along. <laughs> yeah, he's the one. Danny's like, oh, is so-and-so here? And he's like, Frederick quit, like, a year ago. Like, remember how I said how this guy's just so angry, like, that this person quit? Like, he must have left on bad terms or something. But still, I'm like, I thought that man looked familiar. I really did. At least this guy this time has got a smile on his face. <laughs> like, hey, look, I'll get this demo tape to my people, and if they like you as much as I like you, big things could happen. Like, sweet. We like those words. Keep telling us. Keep, keep saying them. And the guy's leaving as, after Jesse shakes his hand and everything. Oh, you look really, really great, Jesse says. Love, did I say I love the shoes? Because I love the shoes. The guy, like, disappears around the corner and he, Jesse turns back to everybody. Like, I hate those shoes. Ugh. <laughs> I love how the lady who was singing with Jesse, just when he turns out, like, I hate those shoes. And she, she's like, oh, pfft. Real. <laughs> Yo. So I'm going to play this clip right here of... DJ and Stephanie just being Jesse's hype people. You're the record executive, but in my objective opinion, that was the best song in the history of music. Jesse and the Rippers have an album out by Christmas. What a great stocking stuffer for my thousands of friends. Hey, Steph, why don't we go out and get jobs so we have money to spend on concert tickets, posters, and t-shirts? I want my Jesse and the Rippers lunchbox. to my boss and if he likes you guys as much as I do big things could happen right, well, thanks very much thank you, you know, and, and you know what you look great you really look good today <laughs> did I tell you I love those shoes because I do I love the shoes <laughs> ugly shoes so this must be like this isn't dinner time because they're eating sandwiches. So I'm guessing this has got to be a weekend, that you know, lunchtime. And this is where we do get the first mention of Michelle's invisible friend, Glenn. As Joey puts all the sandwiches down for everybody. And Michelle's like, hey, Joey, can you, like, make a sandwich for Glenn? And, of course, it was Glenn. And she's like, oh, he's my invisible friend. He's sitting right there as we see the where Danny would probably sit at the head of the table. We'd see a chair that's probably pulled out for Danny, but it makes the most sense. Oh, he's sitting right there. Right there. Can't you, can't, can't you see him? And Joey's just like, ah, okay, yeah, I had those too. Um, so Danny sits up, sits down on the chair, and Mitch shows him, and he's like, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. And Danny, like, jumps out of that chair like his butt's on fire. Like, whoa, what? What happened? Did I sit on something? What? But Danny just looks at Michelle like, what happened? What'd I do? What's the matter? She like, well, you sat on Glenn. Please be careful. Immediately, like, oh, okay. Yeah, we know what this is about. So they kind of play along. Like, hey, Glenn, how's it going? Oh, he's got a, he's got a grip there. Oh. As he, like, pretends to fight to pull his hand back. Of course, before Danny can get in there, Joey's got to, like, oh, I got this. Danny, you don't, you've you never had pretend friends before. You don't know how this works. He's like, oh, hey there, Glenn. Here, let me straighten up your tie, Glenn. Help here, let me fix your sombrero. Like, first of all, mm, 
you had to do is say hi. You don't gotta start, like, saying, like, oh, let me fix this. Let me... You don't know what he looks like. Michelle's got an idea of what Glenn looks like in his, in her head. Michelle's like, Joey, he moved over there to another seat that's unoccupied, of course, right across from her. And she's like, and he's not wearing a Sambaro. And, of course... Joey's like, well, he'll look like a Sam Barrow to me. Like, whoa, let's not shame a child for not being able to pronounce sombrero. It's a big word. Let's see if she can spell it. Probably not. Danny, of course, is like, oh, okay. So he goes to sit down, like, hey, hey, Glenn, how you doing? And he waves at him, like, Danny Tanner, hi. <laughs> Danny puts out his hand, like, oh, nice to meet you. Like, oh, he's got quite a grip. And, of course, Kimmy kind of interjects with, Speaking of grips, you boys better get one. They're playing along with a child, Kimmy. Not to mention, you're a guest eating their food, so I'd zip your lip. But then again, how many times have they said stuff to Kimmy? So, Danny's like, look, it's perfectly normal for children to have imaginary friends. In fact, now that I think about it, DJ had... An imaginary friend named Norton who was a duck. And of course, yeah, you made, you, Norton went away after you made friends with uh, Kimmy. And Danny's like, gosh, I miss that duck. <laughs> and of course, Kimmy's like, well, you'll miss me when I'm gone. And he's like, how would I know? You never leave. You're always here. I turn around, you're right there. They have a pitcher of milk. Wow. Oh, when he when Danny mentions the imaginary duck named Norton, we see Kimmy and Stephanie actually giggle together. Like these two have never seen eye to eye on this show. But that's one like, hey, 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 hey we can make fun of DJ. Hey, 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 hey. I noticed that DJ, well, as she says, you know, Norton was just a phase. You know, I grew out of it eventually. Apparently, Stephanie did not have an imaginary friend. She's the one of the three daughters that didn't have one. But anyway, DJ, I noticed she's wearing kind of a, um, what's the color? It's kind of a red kind of plum color. I don't know if that's like mauve, but her lipstick matches her, I think it's a turtleneck. Okay, what is going on in this scene? Because the phone rings and Steph goes to grab it. Um, but there's something going on with, you know, Joey, whether this is out of character, maybe it's just Dave Coulier, you know, them being around the table, but DJ's across the table from him and she's kind of smiling, kind of semi laughing. So I don't know what, what that, what that is. That's just kind of like, okay, that was different. Cause it's like he's, he's not making chewing motions like he was eating a sandwich or anything. He's just like, stretching out. Like, it's not hugely noticeable, but if, I mean, I've watched this so many times and it's like now that I'm kind of going through it a little more like with a fine tooth comb, I'm picking up on things I didn't pick up on before. So that, I think that was kind of a Dave Coulier thing with um, stretching out or his mouth or making mouth whatever's and DJ across the table is just kind of like smiling at him like yeah, you're funny. So I'm going to play this clip here about Michelle's imaginary friend. Joey, could you please make a sandwich for Glenn? Well sure, who's Glenn? My invisible friend, he's sitting right there. 
blankets. Get up, get up, get up. What's the matter? He said, Uncle, please be careful. Danny, that's no way to treat Michelle's imaginary friend. All right, Glenn. I'll just straighten up your tie in here. Let me adjust your sombrero. Stephanie goes to get it, and of course, like, oh, hello? Okay, and then she puts the phone, like, next to the, you know, just above her, her chest and her neck. It's like, oh, hey, DJ, it's Norton, the duck. And Becky comes up, like, oh, is that Dr. Crane's office? You know, her doctor. Which, if it's a doctor's office, and that call is not for you, you don't leave them hanging to go tell a joke. They are busy. They got other calls to make. You don't know what kind of news Becky could be receiving. But then another thing is that usually they will call you and tell you, oh, we ran some tests. Turns out you are, in fact, pregnant. Is that usually probably how they did it back in the 90s? Or did you go in for a follow-up visit? Like, can you come in? We'd like to see you. And then give the news. And pre- I mean, if you were pregnant, and you went to the doctor to make sure, I mean, nowadays, it's probably, boom, look at me, spit, split, you, you pee in a cup, they test it, and you get your results, like, in an hour or even less time than that. I I don't know. I've never been pregnant before. I, I don't know how the results go, how long it actually takes. But if there was a case, would you want to be told in person, or would you just say want them, oh, just call me at home. Yeah, that's fine. Sure. Because that's big news. I mean, granted, I definitely wouldn't want um, big bad news to be uh, received at home either. I kind of want that in person. Then again, if they didn't call with the results here at home, we wouldn't get the reaction and her having to explain herself to the family. Because they know before Jesse finds out. How would you feel if your spouse was pregnant and her family found out before you, the other parent, found out? I, I mean... Wouldn't you say that you are, like, the first to know? Or at least you'd want that courtesy, but okay. Yeah, she keeps that person on hold for at least a minute or two. It's like, but then again, wait a minute. I thought, Becky comes from upstairs. I thought that she, 
would have a line up there. They got at least umpteen phone lines in that house. You got one there. You got one in DJ's room. You got one in or um, in the living room. I think you got one maybe still downstairs. One might be in, in, in Joey, which used to be Jesse's. There's a lot of phone lines, but apparently they're all connected to the one line. Of course, Becky's like, oh, give me the phone. Oh, it's about time. Thank you. And of course, she's got her um, she's got her jerky in hand, munching on that jerky. Needs that sodium and that meat. Of course, everyone's at the table eating. Well, everyone but Jesse and Becky, who's taking like, oh my gosh, you're kidding, you're kidding. And of course, she's like, oh, he's just kidding. <laughs> this would be a phone call that I think she'd be like, here, hold on, let me get this upstairs. Because that way she could break to Jesse, and then he, they together can break it to the family. But it's a sitcom. That's not how these things work. It's, it's a like a surprise. Like, oh my gosh, you're kidding! You're kidding! It's not like, oh my gosh, you're kidding! Oh my gosh! Oh my god! No, tell me you're kidding! Oh my, oh my gosh! It's more like a shock surprise. <laughs> good, good. Like, oh. <laughs> he's so excited. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's like, no, thank you. Like, the doctor just tested your urine. He, uh, you and your husband did all the work. <laughs> you should be thanking each other. But <laughs> she gets off the phone, and she's like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And, of course, she looks, realizes everyone has turned around to look at her. And she's like, oh, uh, beef jerky, anybody? But Danny's like, okay, thinking to herself, I, I gotta, like, find out what's going on because my ears are burning so bad. Um, hey, Becky, can I talk to you in the living room? And she's like, oh, yeah, I mean, do you want some jerky? I mean, I even have ranch flavored. Like, oh, ranch flavored, really? There's so many different types. Of I missed this one kind they stopped making called, it was Wild Bill's, like, maple bacon jerky. It was so good. I get it by the bag. And it was always expensive, like $6.99 or something. It was so expensive, but it was so good. And it only had so much in the pack. Bacon is so expensive. It's like seven or eight dollars. Of course, everyone's like, Joey's like, oh, I want to come too. And then he goes out there and the kids, of course, are like, well, this is clearly an adult conversation, but that won't keep us from eavesdropping at the door. Because, uh, I mean, they could probably sneak in in the laundry room, but then again, they'd probably be seen. I'm going to play this clip. Danny has sussed out what 
Becky's going through. She's like, all right, let's go over what happened just in the last five minutes. You got a phone call from your doctor. You said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you've been living on beef jerky for the last three days. And of course, Danny, who has been married, had been married for over 10 years, had three kids with his wife. So, you know, he's been through the whole pregnancy, the mood swings, the cravings, all that stuff. He's latched onto it pretty quickly. Okay, um, I gotta say it real quick. I think Becky is in the running right now with her top as far as the worst outfit of the episode award. It's just not... It's just dull fall-looking leaves set against a black backdrop of a shirt or dress. Of course, Joey being Joey's like, oh, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, she's iron deficient. That's the problem. Anybody could see that. And Danny just, like, rolls his eyes and looks at Joey's like, you know what? And you are obviously brain deficient. Joey, Rebecca is pregnant. And he's, and Joey's like, pregnant? And the girls all behind the door to the kitchen are like, pregnant? And when Joey says pregnant, Becky's like, shh. Yeah, clearly Jesse is upstairs. I don't know what he's doing, taking a nap, fixing his hair most likely. But he doesn't know. And then blabbing it before Becky's had a chance to actually sit down and tell him privately because even though they are part of a huge family now, it is still Jesse and Becky, you know, Becky's decision, decision how she wants to tell Jesse. Of course, Stephanie's like, who's pregnant? And Joey, of course, is standing there rubbing his belly. Oh, I'm pregnant. Michelle, of course, not having any idea how reproductive organs or reproduction in general works. Like, oh, way to go, Joey. <laughs> And of course, Becky's like, girls, I'm gonna have a baby. And they're all like, they rush over to Becky. Like, oh my God, you're gonna have a baby? And they're so loud about it. And she's like, please, Jesse doesn't know. And then Joey's like, oh, well, don't worry about that. Come on, follow me. I'll tell him. It's like, no, you will not. That's not your news to tell. And think about it. This is their firstborn kid. You ruined that surprise. You aren't ever, they, he's never going to get that moment back again. And neither is Becky. So let her do this in her own way. And of course, Danny's like, you know, you do have to tell him event because he will notice eventually when your stomach starts to get bigger and rounder. Even Kimmy's excited. Like, this isn't even her family, but, like, wow, this is better than what goes on at my house. Because my parents are, like, never there. They're off traveling with the circus. Or going to Vegas half the time. Like, that's where her parents always seem to be. Like, oh, my brother's in Vegas. Oh, my parents are in Reno. It's like, so I see why you're over at the Tanners, because otherwise, I mean, honestly, would you rather be alone in an empty house as a child, or would you rather be with a loving, happy, constantly in motion family like the Tanners? I'd rather be with the Tanners than be in an empty, alone house. But when I, I know, when I need a break from the Tanners' craziness, I have an empty house to go to. Because Joey actually starts to have, like, oh, follow me, everybody, I'll tell him. And Becky gets in there ahead of him, like, no, 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 as she stops him. Says not a word 
to Jesse about me being pregnant. And I love how Danny, who's, like, behind Becky, actually taps her on the shoulder. It's like, you know, eventually he will find out. And she's like, I'm going to tell him, but I'm going to tell him in my own way. It's like, yes, even though you are a extended family, this is still her own business to tell her husband. They may share space but you know, in your house, but still, they are still, you know, their own people and their own couple. And, you, you know, let them have their business to themselves. And then, you know, you all can act like you didn't know when she comes down to, to when Jesse comes down to give you the news. Just have a big old grin on your face. So I'm going to play this clip as Danny, of course, thrice father... You know, his wife, he's been through three pregnancies with his wife. He's been through it all. Hormones, food cravings, you name it, he's been through it. We know who Dumbo is. Thank you. So, of course, everyone swears themselves to secrecy, but Michelle's friend, Glenn, I kind of would like to think that Glenn is... The only two Glens in movie... Let's see. Uh, Glenn from The Walking Dead. Glenn Gulia from The Wedding Singer. And the other Glens out there. Yeah. Characters. Glenn Close, she's an actor. Okay, let's see. Oh, that's right. 
Glenn Campbell. What he did the voice of Chanticleer from Rockadoodle. Glenn Quagmire. Quagmire from Family Guy. Okay, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Ree, of course. The Walking Dead. R.I.P. Glenn. Let's see. Who else? Never seen that one. Um, okay. Of course, Joey's like, uh, because Glenn wants to know where babies come from, and Joey's like, uh, Cleveland. So, I like, again, Danny, and the guys do this when they're talking to Michelle. They get down on her level so they can make eye contact, so they know that they're speaking to her. She knows that, you know, they're speaking to her. Anyway. I like Danny's analogy here, as he says, the baby, we talked about how babies come from mommy's tummies. Now the um her next question of course is once Glenn wants to know how the baby sleeps in there. And he says, Well, the baby sleeps in a nice little cozy waterbed. Basically, yeah, am amniotic fluid, amniotic sac, right? Hence the term water breaks, basically, then that sac is breaking and the baby's coming. So you gotta be ready for the baby to be there. And speaking of one who had a waterbed from the age of, like, 11 years old all the way to 19, I loved that waterbed. I think sometimes I would turn the temperature up too, too high to the point where I'd be... There's one time that um, the power went out and I didn't realize it because <laughs> a friend of mine and I went somewhere and we came back and later found out the power was out because we were like sleeping in my water bed and then I kept wondering like why is it so cold why is the water so cold but <laughs> and then my dad's like oh by the way the power's out like, oh well that makes sense so Danny tells Michelle to tell Glenn that if he has any more questions about where babies come from or any questions in general he should ask his invisible parents like we already get enough questions from you, we don't need to be feeling twice as many questions from Glenn as well. So Danny's like, alright everybody, let's go finish lunch, and everyone does. So right in the scene here where Danny says, let's go finish lunch, and everyone turns to go, either Mary-Kate or Ashley didn't really see just how close Jody Sweeten was standing to her, because when she turned to walk forward, she kind of bumped her head right into um, Jody's stomach there like whoop careful so of course joey is the one to look back at becky she's not really heading to the kitchen she's a little i mean if you want to even say maybe shell maybe not shell shocked i mean she was surprised but it's just she's still trying to process everything and joey's like hey are you all right and becky's like well i mean yeah but i just I don't know how I'm going to tell Jesse. I mean, we did talk about having kids. We just, you know, planned for it to be a little later down the road. And Joey's like, hey, I know Jesse is going to love this information. He's going to be so happy. And then Joey has to bring up something about, oh, if you were an elephant, you know, their gestation is like 22 months. So you'd be pregnant for two years. And by the time frame, I mean, it would all work itself out. Reminds me of the episode and this season of, I think it's the episode Girls Just Want to Have Fun where DJ sneaks out to meet Ryan and Kimmy and Bitterman for a boy-girl study session. And Becky says, well, because Danny's like, well, DJ like snuck out and Becky's trying to cover for her. And Danny's like, is there something 
you're not telling me or is there something you know that I don't? And Becky's like, uh, an African elephant's gestational period is 22 months or some 24 or 22 months. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, of course, Joey's, like, bringing up Dumbo. It's like, yes, we, we know. We know who Dumbo is. Thank you. So everyone's in the kitchen except for Becky and Joey, who are still talking. And Jesse comes out like, hey, where's Becky and Joey? I have amazing news. So, of course, Jesse's got amazing news. He's also wearing a nice electric blue, maybe even royal blue and black uh, blazer. It looks really nice. And he says, you know, he calls Becky and Joey into the kitchen and says, hey, the executive of the record club wants to meet me. Now, mind you. Everybody here except for Jesse knows that Becky's pregnant. So, of course, they're going to be reacting to, which is really strange because Becky hasn't been upstairs to tell Jesse anything. And I'm sure they know that, but they're giving these little hints, like, congratulations, we're so proud of you. And they're just really laying it on thick and, oh, Danny puts a hand around Jesse's shoulder, like, oh, we're really, really happy for you. And the whole family just, even Kimmy, they just, like, hug him and, like, put their hands on him and everything. And he's like, well, they haven't talked to me yet. I don't even know if they're going to sign me, but that, thank you. <laughs> of course, Michelle's, like, got her arms wrapped around Jesse's leg, and Becky's just trying to hustle Jesse out the door like honey come on let's go go to that meeting now so you can uh, find out if they'll sign you or not and it's like Michelle honey you got to stay here <laughs> yes Michelle of course has taken the place of Stephanie when it comes to a blabbermouth someone who cannot keep a secret to save her life because she's like oh don't you want to tell him and Becky's like oh uh yes goodbye goodbye and good luck thank you and she practically shoves him out the kitchen door, and he, like, pokes his head and, like, you trying to get rid of me? And she's like, no, of course not. No, where would you get that silly idea? Like, go, just, just, just go. And she turns around, and Stephanie's like, wow, can we keep a secret or what? And she just looks at him like, you almost blew it. I just, Danny, why did you have to, ugh. Joey, of course, is like, oh, good luck, you manly man. Will you stop? You want to keep a secret? That's great, but you're throwing out these little puns and everything. You don't think that's going to start bells ringing? Like, okay, this is, I mean, it's one thing to be happy because they agreed to meet me, but it's not like they signed him. They're just, they're, they're being way over the top here. So now we jump to the attic. It's actually, oh, this it's gorgeous. I love it. I don't like the carpet so much, but I love, I don't know how they got the piano up there. I'll never know that. They probably had to bring in, like, pieces. Or, they probably did. They probably did bring, like, the piano. So, you know, they could get it up there sideways. And then, of course, you got to attach the legs or however that goes. Maybe they're foldable. I don't know. I've never carried a piano up a set of stairs. And I, oh, my gosh. I just <laughs> remembered the Elvin and the Chipmunks cartoon episode where they're trying to get... They got some goo or something in the piano, and they need to get, like, it cleaned up. And Simon's got his chemistry set upstairs to, like, 
get rid of that goo. And they're all, like, trying to, like, use a, a rope pulley system to get the this large piano up the stairs. And it ends up breaking. Because they're all telling, like, different versions of the story when Dave corners, like, Elvin and Simon and Theodore. They're all telling different versions of how this happened. So I like this idea that, you know, it's, it's a simple, creative dinner that really, I mean, if you were the spouse that was going to be getting news, because what she has is baby corn, baby back ribs, um, baby shrimp, baby carrots, and when he he opens the door and comes up, she's lighting a candle, and she, oh, no, 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 go back and come in again, because she wants it, she, <laughs> and she's, oh, darling, you're home, I've missed you so much, she's wearing this gorgeous red dress, of course, you guys know I'm partial to red, but it's still beautifully stunning, just, uh, no, you're not going to be able to wear that dress for much longer, <laughs> She, like, turns around and she goes, wait, 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 I'm not ready yet. And she's all seductive, like, over this romantic meal. It's like, oh, wow, you did all this for me? Be I take it because they normally probably eat dinner downstairs with the family and everything, so. And she's got really great news. Of course, so does he. So Jesse's like, yeah, I got great news. The executive said we had this retro hip-hop pop rock Euro trash sound that they just fell in love with. And they signed us. They signed all of you. Even the saxophone, uh, tuba sax, trombone, guitar, guitars, and like your 11 members along with your original Jesse and the Rippers band. Your ensemble oh my goodness gracious sake well then you got to get those pipes a little higher than the the instruments but what or maybe it's just exactly what they need jesse's like i don't know what that means but they signed us and he picks her up and whirls her around she oh honey that's wonderful i can't wait to hear about it over dinner and uh he's like great what are we having and she's like oh well it's a funny thing you asked as she pulls off it, they have um, little dinner covers to kind of keep the food warm. A baby shrimp, baby corn, and baby back ribs. And, of course, she's like, um, honey, do you see a, a theme kind of running through this? And he's like, well, let me see here. Uh, baby shrimp, ba baby corn, and baby back ribs. And he looks at her, and you think it's, like, clicking. It's like, honey... Finger foods! I love it! And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yep, nothing gets past you. I love that. He's like, good, because baby, I'm starved. Baby corn. Remember the movie Big from 1988 with Tom Hanks, where he plays a 12-year-old who wishes to be big. He winds up waking up the next morning in the body of a 30-year-old who becomes a toy company executive and he goes to that party wearing that white tuxedo and he's like sorry you okay one okay and he's like got he he's never been around these types of fancy food you know the kind like the little baby corn 
And he, you know, and he's like, <laughs> just eating it like a little baby corn, like you would a, a regular sized ear of corn. Of course, Jesse, he just eats the ear of corn starting on one end, like he's going to work his way down to the bottom. So, so Jesse is just so jazzed. I mean, even, I mean, nobody, I don't think has ever signed him before. So just, he's like flying high in cloud nine. Like, we're going on tour for two months and we're going to open up for Aerosmith. And she's like, you're going to open up for Aerosmith? He's like, well, I mean, we're technically going to open up a few days before Aerosmith gets there. But, you know, why nitpick? You know, at a state, it, it's a state fair, which um, this is, what, 91, right? Um, would Aerosmith be playing at a state fair? In 91, I mean, they're pretty big, right? I want to see what kind of, what, um, what they were doing in 91. Well, they had an air, um, an album released, uh, Pandora's Box. What did they get, uh, Come Together, know that one. Um, uh, let's see. I know they're going to have more than that. Uh, what other songs? What's, oh, a video, Sweet Emotion. That came out in 91. So Becky's a little, I mean, she's happy for Jesse, but just the the idea that, you know, he's going on tour for two months. She's like, well, you're going away? And he's like, well, yeah, but I mean, you're coming with me. I mean, you got vacation time, right? I mean, because of course, it's obviously it's going to take place during the summertime because no one's going to want to visit a state fair during the school year, right? <laughs> That's when you have fairs in the summertime because you're going to get the people. And Jesse's talking about how the timing is just perfect. And she's like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, well, we got nothing tying us down. No real responsibilities. It's party time. He's just, he's excited. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he's reveling in this. This is his, his shot, you know. Of course, he's too excited to eat because he wants to shout it from the rooftops. Of course, Jesse's like, oh, I'm so excited. I got to tell everybody. He kisses her and says, you know, I love you. And then he goes to head downstairs, but he stops. And he turns like, oh, wait, what was uh, your your good news you were going to tell me? He's like, oh, well, it's not really, it's not that important. He leaves and she's like, well, we're just having a baby. <laughs> so I'm going to play this clip. I, I just, I think this was a sweet, if honestly, honestly. Let's just say, let's just say that Jesse was not signed. So this was just an ordinary day. Do you think that he would have picked up on this? I think because he was so excited about, you know, getting signed and going on tour that he wasn't able to really focus on the baby shrimp, baby corn, baby back ribs, which I know, you know, he's wearing his wedding ring. If I'm eating messy food, my rings are coming off. That's just, that's just me. I'll put them in my pockets. I don't want to get stuff on them. That's just, that's just me. But I'm going to play this clip. Be good because they signed us. Oh, honey, that's great. I want to hear all about it over dinner. 
having baby shrimp, baby corn, and baby back ribs. Good, because baby, I'm starved. Jess, uh, sweetheart, do you see some sort of theme running through this meal? Oh, there's a theme? Oh, how fun. All right, let me guess. Uh, okay, so we get the baby shrimp, all right, baby ribs, baby corn. Finger foods, beautiful, I love it. Very, very clever. Yeah, nothing gets by you. Man, I'm so excited, I can't believe this. Jesse and the Rippers are going on tour this summer for two months. And get this, this is the best part. Our first stop is a state fair opening up for Aerosmith. You're going to open up for Aerosmith? Well, technically we're opening a few days before Aerosmith gets there, but why nitpick? So you're going away? Yeah, but you're coming with me. I mean, you have vacation time coming up, right? I mean, the timing is perfect. What do you mean? I mean, think about it. I mean, we're both young. We have nothing tying us down, no responsibilities. It's party time! I'm too excited. I can't eat. I gotta tell everybody. I love you so much. Oh, what, what was the good news you had? Oh, it can wait. Sorry. We're just having a baby. So the family's downstairs playing Pictionary, you know, everyone but Jesse and Becky. And Stephanie is up, and she's got what looks like a donut and, like, half of a cow, like, the butt end. So, of course, first clue is going to be the round circle with the little circle in it. Of course, we get tire from Danny. We get um, lifesaver from Joey. Of course, we get Big Bird, like, ugh, ad nauseum, from Michelle. And DJ guesses correctly, like, donut, right? And so she's like, yep, you got it. Oh, I'm sorry, no, <laughs> Cheerio, Cheerio, okay. It's what DJ says first. Okay, uh, second clue from DJ, can you say, you can just shout it out, right? You don't have to, like, wait to be called on. I don't know if I've, I, if I played Pictionary, it was so long ago, I can barely remember. But there's a game show called Pictionary. Yeah, so it's Pictionary from 89 to, it looks like it could possibly be go, still going. Like, maybe it's still on to this day. Might be. The next clue, of course, is the half of the cow with the udders and the tail and the butt. And that's the, the next clue. Of course, Michelle, it's like, Michelle, how about you sit somewhere and just, like, go color a coloring book or something? Because she keeps shouting out Big Bird. It's like, finally they're all like, it's not Big Bird. It doesn't even look like Big Bird. Big Bird looks like a donut? Big Bird looks like half of a cow? You know what? You watch Sesame Street. You know what he looks like. He's a 10-foot-tall yellow bird. In no way combined with either of these two pictures does it look like a big bird. I almost said Bigfoot, but... <laughs> How cray is this? She's like, don't have a cow. And, of course, she gets it right. Don't have a cow. Donut, half a cow. They got that from Bart Simpson. Didn't he also say, he said, eat my shorts, don't have a cow. I swear there were other Bart Simpson. I caramba. Um, of course, now it's Michelle's turn. This will be easy enough. Danny, you're wearing my color. Well, actually, it's more kind of a burnt red-orange mixture. But anyway, 
And DJ's like, you know, I, I kind of wonder, did Becky tell Uncle Jesse yet? And Danny's like, well, no, we haven't heard him scream. Because, <laughs> of course, they probably think that would be his reaction. They, he's going to be so wrong. I love to have known what Danny's reaction to each of Pam's pregnancies was. Especially the first one. Because you know that happened right out of high school. That's why they had to go off and elope because she got pregnant. Dan's like, I mean, Jesse's got it going on today. I mean, he's having a baby, might have a record deal, and he's having a heck of a hair day. Everyone in that house is je jealous of Jesse's hair. So Michelle, of course, like, all right, I'm done. And everyone's like, Big Bird. Because you've been yakking about Big Bird since we started playing the game like half an hour ago. And she's like, wow, you are good. It's like, why didn't... <laughs> I get it, she's like four uh, or five. No, she's not five yet. The twins are born when she turns five. Anyway, you didn't add any feathers, a long beak. I get that's probably kind of a little too hard to draw. Like, a, just... But, and she's got, like, one big eye in the center of the circle. She's got, like, a little smirk smile going on she's got one eye that looks like it's like partially drawn off coming off of his face like maybe it's like i don't know like uh why am i criticizing a, a four-year-old's drawing i mean that's probably better than i could do at four years old if i could even draw at that age i might have been able to so of course this actually is where when jesse comes down Everyone just automatically assumes his news, his excitement, is due to the fact that Becky did tell him that she is pregnant. Which is understandable because he's gone upstairs with Becky. She said, I'm going to cook him a candlelight dinner. I'm going to tell him. And that is what they're taking it. They have no idea that he's been signed by a record label at this moment. Jesse's like, hey, I got the greatest news in the world. And everyone stands up like, yeah, we know. And Jesse's like, oh, I, haven't I haven't told you yet. Jesse's like, I guess you could probably tell by my face. I mean, I'm, I'm beaming. <laughs> of course, Joey's choice of words, like, oh, yeah, we sure can, as he pats Jesse on the shoulder, like, uh, congratulations on your miracle. And Jesse's like, well, I, thank you. I wouldn't call it a miracle, exactly. So here's where we get the innuendos that the kids aren't going to understand, but Danny is just, the look on his face is like, my children's ears, I must protect them. Their innocence must not be lost. Jesse starts out saying, well, I mean, it took a lot of hard work. And Jesse says the uh, risk at being vain is a natural raw talent. Just the look on Danny's face, just furrowed eyebrows, just like, huh? Here we go. We, he says, I've been practicing for years. <laughs> Even Joey just turns and looks at Danny like, huh? Can you believe? Because they're thinking he's talking about practicing, you know, making a baby. <laughs> and Jesse's like, you know, friends' garages. Basements as Danny finally puts a hand to both DJ and Stephanie's ears. Don't know where Michelle ran to. As, of course, DJ's taller than Stephanie, so Danny's going to, like, pull her in close to the side of his chest and his armpit. But Stephanie, of course, is a bit shorter. So, of course, when he, like, puts 
her head close to him, it's going to be more like near his waist slash belt buckle area. Like, whoa. And even Jody's eyes like, okay, this is making me uncomfortable. Can we not, can we hurry this scene along? I really don't need to be within this close to that region. So Jesse's like, look, when the big night comes, I want you all there screaming, yelling, with lighters, chanting, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. And finally... He finally comes downstairs and just sees, like, this weird, awkward conversation. Just, I'm sure she's kind of like, ooh, ho, ho, what in the world? Then he kind of throws her hands up, like, oh, my God. Because she sees the horrified looks on Danny and Joey's faces. Uh, not only of horrif- horrification, but just confusion. And finally, Jesse is like, what? Danny's like, what are you talking about? And Jesse's like, I'm talking about going on tour with my band. What do you guys think? And, of course, Becky's trying to do the signals behind Jesse's back. Like, I didn't, I didn't tell him yet. I didn't, don't. But Becky, of course, is like, all right, Jesse, you know what? I am dying for a piece of beef jerky. Can you, like, go into the kitchen and get me a piece? Of course, this is where Jesse comes pokes his head out of the swing door and says, are you trying to get rid of me? And she's like, oh, of course not. Will you just go get my beef jerky? Be a good husband and get my beef jerky. So DJ latches onto this pretty quickly. You didn't tell him yet? You didn't tell him about the baby? And Becky's like, well, I mean, I, I tried, but he was just so excited about going on tour. I just, I kind of chickened out. He, she even adds how he was so excited about having not having any responsibilities. So Becky agrees with Danny. Yes, I do have to tell him. As Jesse comes in with a plastic jar container of the beef jerky. She's like, honey, do you want to pay, play picture straights? And he's like, no, not, not really. So you go, oh, yes, honey, of course you do. Come on, please. Look, okay, everybody, this game is just for Jesse. Jesse, sit right here on the couch and just watch what I'm doing, okay? I'm going to throw some pictures up here, and it's a movie title, so, yeah. So I'm going to play this clip. You're right, Danny. 
I'll just look him straight in the eye and say, Jess, you want to play picture charade? No. Uh, sure you do. Of course you do. Yes, you do. Uh, just come right back here, honey, and, and have a seat right over there. Uh, now, everybody, this game is just for Jesse, okay? All right, Jess, you just sit right there and pay very close attention. All right. Now, it's a movie title. Not even close. <laughs> yeah. You know what this means? What happened to baby? I'm gonna be a father. Oh come on, yeah, the face. So the movie title that Becky is actually referring to is called "She's Having a Baby," which came out in 1989. So it was by this time at least a few years old. In this movie, young newlyweds find out just how unprepared they are for their future together. This, wow, it's got a low rating, 5.9 out of 10, based on 10,866 ratings. It's got Kevin Bacon, and if you are a fan of Downton Abbey, you will recognize who plays his wife in the movie. Elizabeth McGovern, yes. Lady Cora. Wife to Robert. On Downton Abbey. Yeah. And this is a John Hughes film. So, totally crazy. <laughs> I've not seen it. So. Trippy says this was a very personal project for John Hughes. And he took it hard when the film didn't do well at the box office. Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we were still at least, what, a year out from the movie Look Who's Talking, which I think... So if this... She's having a babe... Granted, Look Who's Talking in this movie were not directed by the same person. But... This one came out in 89, and it's got a... Wow, this one's got a 5.92, but... Look who's talking because it's got, you know, a talking baby. It's just, I don't why, but I just, I watch someone she's having a baby, and I, I love Look Who's Talking. I would definitely go for Look Who's Talking. Because She's Having a Baby is supposed to be like a comedy. Like Kevin Bacon's character and Elizabeth McGovern get married because, you know, they find out she's pregnant, and then they move to, like, the suburbs, and he's having to adjust to you know, mowing the lawn and all those responsibilities of being a husband and then a father and stuff like that, so. But uh, I just wanted to uh, 
if you didn't know what she's having a baby was about, uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there. So now the girls are on either side of the couch. We got Jesse who's sitting, you'd think just sitting on the back of the couch, but no, because the way that he's sitting, there's a table right behind it. Otherwise, he'd be tipping backwards and boinking his head on the floor. And Joey's on one side, Jesse's on the other side of the couch behind it. And Joey's like, all right, Jesse, now pay very close attention because they all know what's going on. But Jesse's the one that's got to be clued in. Now, this is a movie title. Michelle, they should have said, Michelle, this is not for you, sweetie. This is just, and Becky even said, this is just for Uncle Jesse. Again, put her at a table, give her a coloring book. She's just, I like Michelle, but I don't, it's like, this isn't for you, kiddo. I mean, her, her, her guess couldn't be more way off base other than her constantly, Big Bird, Big Bird, Big Bird. Now she's like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Not even close. Of course, Stephanie's like, no, Michelle, that's cheese. And of course, Jesse like grasps that and just runs with it. Like, cheese, right? And she's like, yes, 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 but it's a movie title. Of course, Jesse's just going to add or just say any movie and just insert cheese in the title. Dances with cheese. No, you're not like you're not taking this seriously. And he's just having fun. He's just he's laughing about like driving Miss Cheesy. Uh home probe alone. <laughs> because if you think about it, Home Alone was just a year before this. And I think Home Alone 2 came out like the year later in the fall of 91. Of course the next clue couldn't be like easier for him. It's just a one slash mark with the two underneath. Half. She, she's half. And then, but he's like, um, a bot, a baker, a bottle, because it's supposed to be like a, an ink bottle. Like, cheese half ink. Of course, I guess Becky, is this considered cheating? Because she has like a beaker, bottle, vase, and she puts ink down. And I'm wondering, can you do that in Pictionary? You know what, I think I want to ask a possible expert. Hold on. I have a question. You've played Pictionary before, right? It's weird. Can you do that? I mean, that's cheese, that's half. And of course, that's supposed to be like ink. Can you write ink under there even after they're guessing? Or is that considered kind of cheating? doing that when we played. So I don't know if it's against the rules once they've said it. Like, yeah. Because he's, like, said, like, beaker, bottle, vase, and then she writes ink underneath it. Like, eh. Oh, if he didn't say it, no, he can't do that. Well, but then again, she's just... It's fiction, right? Yeah, you can't exactly, you can't draw words, otherwise she'd just write out, like, yeah. But yeah. That's what Even that half sign might be uh, cutting it close. You get the ink, because, of course, she wrote it in letters, and she, and Becky just kind of throws her hands like, but, duh, of course, it's ink, because I wrote the word down, which, clearly, that's got to be cheating. Even DJ's like, oh, gee, you're good, Uncle Jesse. I roll. <laughs> like, my uncle, everybody. <laughs> he finally gets, she's half ink. She's half ink. She's having, she's having. And then Becky's like, all right, great. Last clue as she draws what we would probably think is a baby in a blanket. Um... If she had just put a bird with a bundle with a happy face, I think that would have been... Although, wait a minute. 
would that cut that? That might work, maybe. But it's got to be a movie title, right? Or maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be one. But it would have saved them all a lot of trouble if she just drawed a bird with, with a, a blanket and a baby's face popping out the, the front of it. But of course, he mistakes it for a hot dog. Becky finally just throws up her hands in exasperation like, no, Jess, no. It's not she's having a hot dog and she's having a baby and she is me. I'm having a baby. I'm surprised she didn't say in any of that, we're, you and I together are having a baby. And finally it's like, what? You're having a what? Of course, yes, you're having a baby. How did this happen? And then, of course, he looks like, oh, I mean, uh, excuse me, I know how this happened. <laughs> and he, he's excited. He's like, can you believe it? I'm going to be a father. And then it really hits. I'm going to be a boom, Jesse, and just fall, eyes roll back. and <sighs> Luckily, Danny and Joey are both there to catch him before he hits the floor. Woo! I wonder if any guy has ever fainted hearing his wife or girlfriend is expecting a child. So now we've, uh, it's later that evening. We move to Michelle's room. Danny is in the rocking chair with Michelle reading here Goodnight Moon. So this is where we finally get the closure on Michelle's invisible friend, Glenn. And he finally is like, honey, let's, let's talk about Glenn here. Why... Why did you feel the need to make him up? Because she says to him, once he closes the book, like, that was beautiful. He's like, well, tomorrow, same night, same chair. And she says, well, me and Glenn will be there. He's like, you know, it's, it's nice to have a friend like, you know, Norton, or the duck, like with DJ, and of course, a friend like Glenn. Okay, this is interesting. Danny says, my friend as a kid is Terry the talking washcloth in season one of full house michelle had a little washcloth friend named benny which we learn in i believe it's dj's day off when dj wants to go meet stacy q joey comes with michelle and michelle sees dj and kimmy hiding behind a cardboard cutout of stacy q and DJ, like, takes the washcloth that Michelle just can't live without, named Benny. Like, go get, she, DJ throws it, like, go get Benny, take him to Joey. Like, oh, my goodness. Well, it's just, it's kind of funny, because Danny also, you know, had a talking, uh, well, we don't know if this washcloth or dishcloth talked to Michelle or not. Only, only like, toddler infant Michelle knows this. So Danny asks the obvious question, what do you like about Glenn? Like, what makes him so great? Like, why did he just start showing up? I mean, he doesn't add these additional, these are my additional questions. Um, but she says, he's my friend. My other friends are gone because, you know, preschool ended. So, and she's going to be starting kindergarten in the fall. However, with summer, it turns out she's going to be starting kitty camp in a few weeks. So she'll be able to have friends. Well, they had playdates and stuff like that before. Just have playdates. Just because she doesn't go to school with them anymore doesn't mean that they can't set up playdates. I mean, not with Aaron, although we will get Aaron more and more later on as the show goes on. Can you imagine 
hypothetically in my mind, let's just say, let's just picture Michelle in high school, right? Right, okay. Imagine Aaron also in that high school. And he's kind of a bad boy, but he's got, he finally, that, that streak, he's got a little bit of a sweet side to him, just a little bit. And he and Michelle actually get together. They hang out. Like, I, I don't know. Could you see Michelle and Aaron? I mean, definitely Michelle and Teddy, definitely. But Michelle and Aaron, hmm. No, that could be an interesting duo. You got your sweet side, you got your salty side. You got your sarcastic side, you got your rude side. So, and Danny's like, yeah, you know, you'll start kitty camp. And if you want, you can take Glenn with you. And Michelle's like, oh, that's all right. Glenn talks too much. Sorry, Glenn. <laughs> of course, Danny kisses Michelle goodnight. Says, I love you. And this is where Jesse walks in. And it's just sweet. As Danny's like, do you want to tuck Michelle in? And Jesse's like, yeah, I mean, I'll need all the practice I can get. I mean, you've had like four years with Michelle. You And the girls, you got plenty of parenting practice. I mean, it's different when you're watching, you know, someone that's just a, a niece or a nephew and not someone you took part in creating your own child. Or, or you know, just your, your child that you raise and everything like that that your decisions for them, you don't have additional people to have a say. You know what I mean, though. You know what I mean. It's one thing when you're just an uncle, but when you're an actual parent, that means, yeah. And she says, I love you, Daddy. And I like how Danny just turns and says, you know, pretty soon it's going to be your kid saying, I love you, Daddy. And Jesse's like, oh, I can't wait. I love this. We get a sweet little moment of Danny reminiscing about when DJ was born. That, you know, he and Pam just looked down at this innocent, beautiful life that they created. Danny's like, you know, I felt like, I don't know, I felt like this is why we're here. Like, it gave them a sense of purpose. So I want to play this clip. I really, really like this little, little tidbit, if you will. Enough with Big Bird, please. Do go on the road and have a deer. 
guys dying to me. Without me, Jesse and the Rippers would be... And the Rippers. <laughs> but again, I, I can't let Becky down. I mean, she's my wife. I, how do I choose? So Jesse's putting Michelle to bed. He says, wow, Michelle, can you believe it? You're going to have a new little cousin. Which, unless you count cousin Steve, which we only saw him in season one, and Michelle wouldn't remember him, what other cousins would they really have? I don't mean, like, distant cousins either. Because if you think about it, I mean... We get different instances where Danny's got a sister named Wendy who works at the zoo. He's got a sister whose name we don't know who has a 17-year-old son. Well, at this point, he's probably like 21 years old and just getting out of Stanford on that baseball scholarship. Um, but in another point, I it just give I don't... Then um, you have... Pam, who's just got Jesse for a sibling, so Nikki and Alex are going to pretty much be the only cousins those girls will have. So Jesse, of course, he's a little bit nervous here. He's like, wow, I'm going to be a daddy. Do you think I'm ready for that, Michelle? I love these little talks. I know he's just trying to rational. He's just kind of like throwing his thoughts into the air and just seeing what, you know, comes back at him from a four-year-old's perspective. Because this is a, is a big deal. And yes, she isn't going to get the momentous amount of pressure at uh, this life-changing event in his life. But, um, yeah, now he also got the the music thing, you know, the tour coming up. So it's like, how is he going to handle that? Of course, she's like, oh, well, she does say, like, is it a boy or a girl? And Jesse's like, well, we don't we don't know yet. It's still too early to tell. She's like, well, you can call him Big Bird. I'm like, can, can we drop the Big Bird? I have nothing against Big Bird. Love Big Bird. Had him on my walls when I was probably about Michelle's age. But, um... I think I went through my uh, Big Bird quota like the first, second time she mentioned him during Pictionary. Um, but he does mention, you know, I can't let my wife down, but I can't let my bandmates down. And this makes me think of, is it season six, the Road to Tokyo episode where he gets a sh his songs number one in Japan? Before that, of course, we have Captain Video, which is the end of season five. It's the two-parter where Jesse actually gets signed to Fat Fish Music. So it's not like he hasn't had opportunities. And it's not like, I'm just thinking like, as he says, I can't let my band down. However, when he did do the Road to Tokyo episode where they were going to extend that tour for a full year of touring Asia, Jesse made a split second of like, I'm not doing it. And it's like, at that point, he wasn't even considering his bandmates didn't even get a say in that matter. 
But now it's like, well, I can't let my wife down. And, and, and I'm thinking it's two months. It's just two months. She's, Becky's like, what, maybe, what, a month, two months long tops? It's, I, I, I get it. You know, it's a big decision. Like, I can't let Becky down. She's my wife. I can't, this is, you know, my first time with the band that we're actually been signed by somebody. And just, this is a big, big opportunity. So, of course, he's like, I don't know how to handle this. Michelle, what should I do? So, she's like, all right, hold your hands out and we'll do the Eeny Meeny game. It's like, Michelle, I'm an adult. And... She's like, do you want my help or not? And the one thing I like is just before this conversation with her, is it, do you think I'm ready to raise my own child, Michelle? And she says, well, you're doing a pretty good job with me. I like that. It's like he, he's been, he had the experience. So I think it'll be just fine. I mean, Michelle was, what, eight, nine months old when he came to live in the house? So it's not like he'd be doing it alone. You know, he'd have his wife there, too, so. But to make a long story short with the eeny, meeny, miny, moe, uh, she says, you better stick with Big Bird, as she, like, point her, point her finger right on his nose. But Jesse, you know, actually puts her into bed. That bed looks so comfy. Maybe because it's a pencil bed. I wish I had a bed that had, like, posts that were, like, stacks of books. I think that'd be so cool. For the book lover and all of us to have a book bed would be crazy that would be so awesome so and I love how he's like you know I love our little talks you make everything sound so simple because to a kid they can break things so easy because they don't get the whole pressures and all that it's complicated and this and that all they see is a situation that can just as easily be solved with a game of eeny meeny miny mo. So Jesse heads back up to the apartment. Becky's got her, I want to say, like, evergreen silk robe on. And, of course, it looks like all just overnight or that night, her belly just expanded outward. He's like, whoa, what? It's like, oh, no, I was just practicing as she takes the pillow out from underneath her robe. <laughs> Of course, now Becky's kind of fretting about the whole, honey, will you still love me when I look like this? You know, the whole physical aspect of the putting on the weight, the baby weight, and will she be able to take it off? And will you love me physically when I'm, you know, not looking physically like I am at this moment? And he's like, oh, honey, I'm going to love you regardless. Don't worry about it. And you know what? When your belly expands, we will have a place to put a bowl of popcorn when we watch television. So Jesse and Becky sit down on the couch. He says, I've had some excellent advice on what to do. I'm going to cancel the tour. I'm going to stay here with you. And, of course, uh, I hope he didn't actually jump on that decision and start calling his bandmates. Guys, I'm sorry the tour's off. They're like, wait, what? What tour? What? What are you talking about? What? Why would you do that? Luckily, he has not made any phone calls just yet. Because even Becky's like, well, where did you get this expert advice? And he's like, well, from Michelle. I mean, she used the eeny, meeny, miny, moe method. Oh, by the way, she named her baby Big Bird. Becky's like, honey, that's great that you want to do that. It's sweet and everything. But, I mean, seriously, what are you going to miss in the next eight weeks? You know, cravings, you know, 
me constantly have to get up to go to the bathroom throughout the night. Trust me, you're going to want this break for me because huh, my hormones are going to be woof. Swollen ankles, midnight cravings, mood swings. I don't even like any swollen ankles during the time of the month. Oh, hate it. You ladies out there probably agree with me, right? No one likes the swollen ankles. This is like, ugh. So Jesse's like, honey, I don't care, okay? He's just patting her hand like, I'm going to be by your side 24 hours a day. And she's like, I don't know if I think that's a good idea. That will drive me nuts. He's like, oh, 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 it's just a mood swing. See, 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 I'm here for you, babe. As he, like, brings her head to his chest. Like, see, I'm here for you, babe. <laughs> oh, Jesse. And he's like, every time you turn around, I'm going to be there supporting you, helping you, everything you need. And she's like, that would really get on my nerves. <laughs> I love this. He, like, brings her head for him. Like, oh, see, see. This is a sweet. I'm there for you, babe. Like, oh, it's sweet. I love it. And she even says, you know, we don't have to stay home. I can go on tour with you. And he's like, what? You can't do that in your condition. And she's like, I, I can definitely do that. The doctor said it's perfectly safe to travel. I mean, she can travel now in her condition, but like at the seventh month, the eighth month mark, uh, I really think that travel is going to be a no-go at that point. Remember, doesn't she actually deliver at least three weeks early? Which I thought sometimes with twins that tends to happen. Like you end up delivering like at least a couple weeks early. And I like this. That, you know, she's like, I know how much this tour means to you. And I just, I don't want you to miss it. She says, that's what this marriage is all about, making each other's dreams come true. It's like sometimes, you know, you got to give a little to, to get a little. You're working together as a team and everything. And sometimes, you know, and, and she can even come along with him. So it's not like he's really, you know, she's not having to give up anything. He's not having to give up anything. Oh, I love, I love them together so much. And Jesse's like, you already made the most important dream come true Aww. and she, she's a little nervous when she actually so you're really happy about having the baby right now and he's like well I mean it's not like we planned it or anything but yes I'm happy I'm gonna cry this is so sweet as he just looks at her and he's like thank you for making me a daddy and she says thanks for making me a mommy and it just it's so sweet and beautiful and I love it so much of course Michelle picks an opportune moment when Jesse and Becky are you know, kissing and loving on each other. And she come, Michelle comes up like, hello, there's a kid in the room. It's like, Michelle, I just put you to bed like 10 minutes ago. Why are you out of bed? So this is where, of course, the whole big bird, Becky, finds out that that's what her unnamed baby, until they find out what the gender is, that's what the baby is going to be called temporarily. It's not sometimes they, um, people when they're expecting, like they don't know the gender yet, so they'll come up with their own little nickname or something like Baby Bean or. Oh, you can always shorten Big Bird to BB, Baby BB, and Baby K, Baby Katsopolis. So Becky's like, you named her Baby Big Bird, and he's like, well, just until we find out whether it's a boy or a girl or seven, nine foot tall Muffet. <laughs> So Michelle, I love this. Michelle goes up and kind of taps Becky's belly where, you know, if you probably, I mean, she knows the baby comes from the belly. Like, night, night, cousin Big Bird. She says, see you 
soon. And Jesse just grabs Michelle and sits her on his lap and just starts kissing her face. And, ah, that's how the episode ends. But I want to play this clip between Jesse and Becky. It's so beautiful. I love it, love it, love it so much. Oh. Baby thing happened a lot faster than I thought. You still love me when I look like this? Of course. It'll be great, too, because I have a place to set my popcorn when we watch TV. <laughs> Now listen, uh, I had some expert advice, and I've made a very important decision. I'm canceling the tour, and I'm going to stay with you this summer. Jess, who'd you get this expert advice from? Michelle. <laughs> she used the eeny, miny, mo method. That's very sweet, but what are you going to miss in the next eight weeks? Morning sickness, midnight cravings, swollen ankles, mood swings? Hey, look, I don't care. I'm going to be right by your side. 24 hours a day. Every time you turn around, I'm going to be there helping you, supporting you, whatever you need. That's really going to get on my nerves. Is <laughs> <laughs> a mood swing? Huh? Because I'm there for you. Watch. See? Hey, hi, babe. I'm there for you, babe. <laughs> See how that works? <laughs> Honey, I think it's very sweet that you want to be by my side, but we don't have to stay home. I mean, it's like you said, I have some time off. I can take my vacation, I can go on the road with you, and, and then I can see you on the weekends, too. Well, you can't travel in your condition. Yes, I can. The doctor said it's perfectly safe for me to travel. I know, I've never been pregnant before. <laughs> well, I'll be fine. Jess, I know how much this tour means to you, and I don't want you to miss it. And that's what this marriage is all about, making each other's dreams come true. You've already made the best dream of all come true. So that is the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. So I would definitely have to say the best outfit. I want to go with Jesse's like blazer with the electric or even royal blue with the black sleeves. It just looked really, really sharp. Um, I'm going to go as far as worst outfit is going to be probably the um, dress, the one with the like... Uh, the, the leaves on it, the one that Becky was wearing, it just, I didn't like it. It just almost looked really drab. And it had, like, leaves on You know, the kind of leaves that are in, like, the late fall where the colors are really not impressive. They're not bright. They're, like, really dull, almost brown looking. Kind of like that. And it's just the quality of the dress just felt almost like um, a curtain drape or something. It just was really unflattering. Um, runner up also is going to be for worst outfit. It's going to be Michelle's 
little nightgown. I didn't like the little see-through lace top part just because she is a, a little girl and everything. It just it seemed like the, the top was a little too big on her because at one point Mary Cater actually actually does have to pull the uh, the sleeve part up just a bit. So I want to go lesson learned with this is just if you have if you know what you're expecting I mean I know now we live in an age of cell phones but for 1991 when all we have were like landlines I'm I mean there probably were cell phones out there but they're probably very expensive and just like brick size um, if you're expecting a phone call just an important phone call that's going to give revealing information. Ask to take the call upstairs if you share a line with another member of the house. I mean, I get it for the purpose of the show. Like, they had to overhear, like, what is this big news? Why is she so worked up? But, and another thing, it's like, if she tells you, it's like, it's not your job to tell the person that is their job to tell their spouse don't take that moment away from them because especially if it's their first child you don't get that moment back and don't you think that it's that moment is too special just for you to, oh by the way your wife's pregnant i thought you'd know like to know that so there are some um crazy pregnancy reveals in some movies one of which i'm just going to state some of the ones i am familiar with um Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1, when Bella finds out that she is pregnant with Edward's child, even though she is a human and he is a vampire. Yeah, you can actually find the top crazy pregnancy reveals in movies, one of which explains about Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1, where they're saying, well, we didn't even know that Edward could reproduce, being he's a 300-year-old vampire or 300 years old, and the fact that Bella finds out she's pregnant after only three days, and she's to the point of gestation where she can already feel the baby kick. Now, I gotta admit, with the Twilight books that came out in, what, 2005? I didn't start reading till 2009. When I, after I'd seen the first movie, I wasn't really impressed with it, but... When I found out someone much older than me was reading the books and enjoyed them, I thought, well, let me give it a second look after I read the first book. And I really, I got into it. And so from like March until like May or June, I devoured all four books. And even when I got to the fourth book and I'm like, what? She's pregnant, but he's a vampire. How does that work? Because she's a human being and he's a vampire. Father of the Bride 2 is another one where, of course, in Father of the Bride, the uh, Steve Martin's character's daughter gets married in the sequel. She's pregnant. But here's a double whammy. Steve Martin's wife, who's probably in her 40s, is also pregnant. So he gets to be a dad for a third time and a grandfather for the first time, all in the same time period. Crazy. Of course, I'd have to say one of my favorite out of this uh, watch, Miss, is it Miss Mojo? 
Um, yeah, it is. Where I think uh, Juno is the is the big one, which is the reveal of <laughs> Juno being pregnant. You know, sixteen year old Juno being pregnant by her boyfriend Polly Bleeker, and it's just funny. J.K. Simmons plays her father. He's like, wow, I didn't know he had it in him. <laughs> of course, as far as it goes for television, um, aside from Full House, his pregnancy reveal was um Wendry Hills season four Haley's reveal with Nathan. What? I'm going to Duke. I'm pregnant. <laughs> it's not Brooke, it's me. How long have you known? A few weeks. A few weeks? I'm sorry, I didn't know how to tell you. Jesse's reaction like how long have you known a few weeks you know I really wish you would have told me about this three weeks ago <laughs> good god can you imagine if that were like you found out you're pregnant and you told your spouse like I'm pregnant we're pregnant and they're like how long have you known why didn't you tell me three weeks ago when you found out like oh my god <laughs> So the next entry in the Jesse and Becky A Love Story series that I've been doing since the beginning of January is Season 5, Episode 10, entitled Happy Birthday Babies Part 2. Now, I did Part 1, which was Michelle's birthday, even though Part 2 does continue with Michelle's birthday. Um, I did Part 1 during, uh, I believe it was, was it June for Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen's birthday? Um... Happy Birthday Babies Part 2 is where Nikki and Alex, the twin boys of Jesse and Becky, are born. In this episode, it is finally Michelle's fifth birthday. Fifth birthday party. Everyone dresses up. DJ dresses up as Wilma in Michelle's Flintstones-themed party. Stephanie dresses up as Betty Flintstone. Danny is Dino. And all the kids wear cavemen clothes. Comet has a dinosaur costume on. And Jesse's dressed up as Fred. Just as Jesse plans to go downstairs to celebrate Michelle's birthday, Becky goes into labor. And so does Jesse, but we soon learn that he has an appendicitis. Michelle has to cut her birthday party short, but she doesn't mind because her new cousins, Nikki and Alex, get to share her birthday. She especially can't wait because triple the birthday means triple the cake, of course, because she's still cake, crazy cake girl <laughs> um whenever i watch this episode with jeremy he's always like night court did it better like i'm with the whole i think mac's wife was pregnant and um mac ended up having an appendicitis so i guess whether he 
missed out on the birth of his first child, which was a girl, and I guess um, she was gonna... His wife wanted to name her after the first book she is, had read, which was My Friend Flicka. <laughs> and of course, I remember watching, because Jeremy was on a night court kick for it was quite a while ago. And I remember Max saying, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that one. <laughs> I think the baby's name ends up being like Renee or something. But um, yeah, so this is the second to last episode in the Jesse and Becky A Love Story series. After this, it's going to be Fuller House Season 1, Episode 13, entitled Love is in the Air. So, all right, everybody. Have a great weekend. I can't believe we are going to be going into the third full week of February. We are more than halfway done with February almost. Well, as of next week, we will be. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All right, I got a few book recommendations real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you go. One book I just finished tonight that I actually, I just, I loved it so much. It's part of my uh, Black History Month reading. This is a middle grade. I think pretty much all the books I read were middle grade. This is From the Desk of Zoe Washington by Janae Marks. This book actually came out um, just this year, actually. All right, here's a summary. Zoe Washington isn't sure what to write. What does a girl say to the father she's never met? Hasn't heard from until his letter arrived on her 12th birthday. And who's been in prison for a terrible crime? A crime he says he never committed. Could Marcus really be innocent? Zoe is determined to uncover the truth, even if it means hiding his letters and investigation from the rest of her family. Everyone else thinks Zoe's worrying about doing a good job at her bakery internship and proving to her parents that she's worthy of auditioning for Food Network's Kids Bake Challenge. But with bakery confections on one part of her mind and Marcus's conviction weighing heavily on the other, this is one recipe Zoe doesn't know how to balance. The only thing she knows how to the only thing she knows to be true. Everyone lies. Alright, so the next book that I read before that was called Clean Getaway by Nick Stone. This book came out January 7th of this year. This is also another middle grade book that I read for Black History Month. All right. How to go on an unplanned road trip with your grandma. Grab a suitcase, pre-packed from the big spring break that got trip that got canceled. Fasten your seatbelt. Gma's never conventional, so this trip won't be either. Use the green book. Grandma's Gma's most Jima's most treasured possession. It holds history, memories, and most important, the way home. What not to bring? A cell phone. Avoid contact with dad at all costs. Even when Jima starts acting stranger than usual. Set against the backdrop of the segregation history of the American South. Take a trip with New York Times bestselling Nick Stone and an 11-year-old boy who is about to discover the world hasn't always been a welcoming place for kids like him. And things aren't always what they seem, his Jima included. His, um, this boy, his name is, um, Scoob? Well, his nickname is Scoob. And his 
father is actually, you know, half white and half black. His his father's mother, so Scoob's Jima is white, and his grandfather, who he never met and his father never met, was was black. So, and it's it's a really good story. Definitely pick it up. The illustrations in this book, I. I mean, if Nick Stone, the author, if she did the illustrations, like, they are gorgeous. They are so beautiful. They're mainly they're in black and white, but they're just, I love them so much. I just, I loved this book, and I loved From the Desk of Zoe Washington. The next book, of course, is also middle grade. It's called The Truth as Told by Mason Buttle by Leslie Connor. This book came out in January 23rd, 2018. I actually listened to this as an audiobook. Mason Buttle is the biggest, sweatiest kid in his grade, and everyone knows he can barely read or write. Mason's learning disabilities are compounded by grief. Fifteen months ago, Mason's best friend Benny Kilmartin turned up dead in the Buttle family's orchard. An investigation drags on, and Mason, honest as the day is long, can't understand why Lieutenant Baird won't believe the story Mason has told about that day. Both Mason and his new friend, Tiny Kelvin Chumsky, are relentlessly bullied by the other boys in their neighborhood, so they create an underground club space for themselves. When Calvin goes missing, Mason finds himself in trouble again. He's desperate to figure out what happened to Calvin and eventually Benny, but will anyone believe him? This book, um, based on the premise when I originally read it, I was a little hesitant. I mean, it is a middle grade. Um, I just, I was a little nervous, like. Just the idea, like, his friend had been killed, and the idea, like, when his new friend Calvin goes missing, like, oh my gosh, I don't know about this. But I listened to it, and it's just, it's only like five or six hours long, and it's just, it's such a good, good story. And um, one of the things, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Mason has a learning disability, which is known as dyslexia, and his, um, I guess if you want to call her a guidance counselor, um, introduces him to a program that I actually have. I just never, I got it for Christmas one year. It's the Dragon program where you speak into the little headset and the words will appear on the screen. Um, Jeremy had gotten it for me quite a while ago when I, well before I started podcasting, when I wanted to, um, for a good chunk of my life, I wanted to be a writer. And I just, he's like, I opened it and I wasn't even expecting, like, wow. And I feel bad because I don't think, he might have installed the program on the computer, but I just, I don't think I ever touched the thing. And I feel bad, but I know that, you know, one day I will actually use it. Um, the next book I have is also a middle grade, also an audiobook. The World Ends in April by Stacy McAnulty. This is also a book that is, like, I think it's seven hours. I actually listened to this in an entire length of a workday, which is amazing. So, is middle school drama scarier than an asteroid heading for Earth? Find out in this smart and funny novel by the author of The Miscalculations of Lightning Girl, which I do have the library book. I haven't read it yet because being it's February, I really want to stick with my Black History Month books that I've been reading. And then in March, I'll 
<laughs> reading these, uh, I've gotten a little, small little collection of uh, library books. All right. Every day in middle school can feel like the end of the world. Eleanor Dross knows a thing or two about the end of the world. Thanks to a survivalist grandfather who stockpiles freeze-dried food and supplies just in case. So when she reads about a Harvard scientist's prediction that an asteroid will strike Earth in April, Eleanor knows her family will be prepared. Her classmates, they're on their own. Eleanor has just one friend she wants to keep safe, Mac. They've been best friends since kindergarten, and even though he's more of a smiley emoji and she's more of an eye roll emoji, they'll survive the end of the world together. If Mac doesn't go away to a special school for the blind, but it's hard to keep quiet about a life-destroying asteroid, especially at a crowded lunch table, and soon Eleanor is the president of the secret end of the world club. Yeah, they actually, I have to call it like a nature club at first, because of course end of the world club is like, uh, it's going to raise some flat red flags and some eyebrows there. It turns out that prepping for Tawaki, which stands for the end of the world as we know it, is actually kind of fun, but you can't really prepare for everything life drops on you. And one way or another, Eleanor's world is about to change. This book also was very, very good. Um, it dealt with a character who, and the thing is, I kind of wonder if I missed the whole... Because it's just um, Eleanor and her two younger brothers and her dad. And her grandpa actually um, doesn't live too far from them, I don't believe. But I, I wonder if I accidentally tuned out what had happened. I, I, I guess that the mother must have passed away because I didn't hear hiding her hair about the mother. And I kept thinking in the back of my mind, I was like, why didn't we hear about the mother? Or maybe we did in the beginning. And I was just, because I was working too. And maybe sometimes when I'm listening to what's going on around me and not what's playing in my ears because we can only have you know one earbud in at a time for safety reasons so i kind of wonder if i just had tuned out for a split second and in that split split second i'm like oh what i kept thinking like what happened to her mom we're gonna get a mention of her mom and we just never did or like i said we did in the beginning and i just accidentally missed it but um i like this book as I said, it's really good. She gets really... And we got a character in here. We have Eleanor. We have her best friend, Mac, who is blind. And I'm guessing that... I think Eleanor might be black as well. And the only reason I say that is because when they start that group, the world is ending group, end of the world is we... Or that club... She says, you know, one another white girl came in and another white girl. I was kind of wondering, like, okay, is she, because it doesn't say. But anyway, um, there's kind of a mean girl um, named London. And it's kind of funny because my rabbit's name, even though he's a boy, is London. So I'd never heard of the name London for, well, actually I did for a girl, but it was for... Uh, uh, someone who had, I had listened to an audiobook about a person that owned a dog, a female dog whose name was London, but it's just, it's different, different characters, and in the book, these characters you think one way, but then there's more layers to these people later on as the story goes on.
And some characters, it's just, some of them kind of surprise me over time. Like, oh, okay, that person's not, like, what I originally thought they were in the beginning. Okay, cool, cool. The next book I have, Some Places More Than Others, by Renee Watson, which I think I already did read. Um, I mentioned that on the last podcast, but I'll read that real quick. All right. Newberry author, honor author Renee Watson explores a family's relationships and Harlem, its history, culture, arts, and people. All Amira wants is to visit her father's family in Harlem. Her wish comes true when her dad decides to bring her along on a business trip. She can't decide, or she can't wait to finally meet her extended family and stay in the brownstone where her dad grew up. Plus, she wants to visit every landmark from the Apollo to Langston Hughes' home. But her family and even the city is not quite what Amara thought. Her dad doesn't speak to her grandpa, and the crowded streets can be suffocating as well as inspiring. But as she learns more and more about Harlem and her father's history, Amara realizes how, in some ways more than others, she can connect with this other home and family. This is a powerful story about family, the places that make us who we are, and how we find ways to connect our history across time and distance. I like that a lot of these um, female protagonists have male friends. Um, I'm trying to remember what her friend was in this book. I can't remember though. Um, it might have been Ty, I think. Um, another one, a male friend, Eleanor and Mac. Um, Clean Getaway also had a boy, a male protagonist with a female best friend. Um, let's see, from the death of Zoe Washington, Zoe had a best friend who lived right next door. His name was Trevor. So it's really, it's really cool that it's in middle grade that you can be friends with a someone of the opposite sex and not have it be about being boyfriends and girlfriends. So that's pretty cool. But um, one book series that I really like that I'm on the third book, it's the Going Wild trilogy by Lisa McMahon. She also wrote The Unwanteds, which is an ongoing trilogy. What's their spinoff books is another... Uh, ongoing series at the moment. I'm reading Clash of Beasts. I can definitely recommend going wild. It's just, it's a fun audiobook. It's just really adventure, a lot of action going on. Charlie Wilde knew her life would change forever when her family moved from the city of Chicago to the suburbs of Arizona, and that was before she found the bracelet. After putting it on, she noticed odd things start to happen. Suddenly, Charlie seemed to have the speed of a cheetah and the strength of an elephant, and that's just the beginning. She would be thrilled about her transformation if she had any idea how to use the device or to control her amazing powers. So Charlie is forced to put her trust in new friends to help her uncover the surprising truth behind the mysterious bracelet. One book I'm currently reading or listening to right now on Audible is See You in the Cosbo Cosmos by Jack, is it Chang's? C-H-E-N-G, which came out in February of 2017, so it's about three years old, or just about. A space-obsessed boy and his dog, Carl Sagan, take a journey toward family, love, hope, and awe in this funny and moving novel for fans of County by Sevens, Walk Two Moons, and the Curious Incident of 
the dog in the nighttime, which have not been. 11-year-old Alex Petrosky loves space and rockets. His mom, his brother, and his dog, Carl Sagan, named for his hero, the real-life astronomer. All he wants to do is to launch his golden iPod into space. The way Carl Sagan, the man, not the dog, launched his golden record on the Voyager spacecraft in 1977. From Colorado to New Mexico, Las Vegas to L.A. Oh, okay, wow, so I'll know uh, he's going to be traveling even farther. Gotcha. Because I haven't really gotten too far into the book. Another book which is only like five or six hours long. Alex records a journey on his iPod to show other life forms what life on Earth, his Earth, is like. But his destination keeps changing, and the funny, lost, remarkable people he meets along the way can only partially prepare him for the secrets he'll uncover from the truth from the truth about his long-dead dad to the fact that for a kid with a troubled mom and a mostly not-around brother, he has way more family than he ever knew. Jack Chang's debut is full of joy, optimism, determination, and unbelievable heart. To read the first page, to fall in love with Alex and his view of our big, beautiful, complicated world, to read the last is to know he and his story will stay with you a long, long time. I'm liking it. It's actually told in little, like, four to six minute increments of him just doing, like, voice memos or messages on his iPod. Uh, one book right now I definitely want to recommend is actually a YA, so that's, I've been reading a lot of middle grade, so occasionally I will slip in a, an adult fic, historical fiction, adult fiction, or YA book. Um, this one right now, since it is February, it's still winter, it's perfect time of year to read this. Michigan vs. the Boys by Carrie, that's C-A-R-R-I-E, and then S capital S, period, and then Allen, A-L-L-E-N. I'm currently reading this book. When a determined girl is confronted with a culture of toxic masculinity, it's time to even the score. Michigan Manning, see, I like that, Michigan, lives for hockey, and this is her year to shine. That is until she gets some crushing news. Budget cuts will keep the girls' hockey team off the ice this year. If she wants colleges to notice her, Michigan has to find a way to play. Luckily, there's still one team left in town. The boys' team isn't exactly welcoming, but Michigan's prepared to prove herself. She plays some of the best hockey of her life. In fact, all while putting up with the changing in the broom closet. Oh, man. Constant trash talk and harmless pranks that always seem to target her. But once hazing crosses the line into assault, oh, boy. I haven't gotten that far. Oh, my goodness. Um, Michigan must weigh the consequences of speaking up, even if it means putting her future on the line. Yes, I'm sorry, but hockey is not more important than a person's safety. In no way. I mean, it's great to have a hobby. It's great to have an interest. And maybe that could turn into a career down the road. But your personal safety is a lot more important than any sport. I'm going to say that right now. So I'm definitely looking forward to keeping reading this book. And I hope you guys enjoyed the book recommendations. A lot of these are on Audible. Uh, as far as Michigan versus the boys, I did not see that on Audible. I just got it from the library. So, all right, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.